Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jonathan Mayo. And Sam Dykstra, who is here to fill in ably for the vacationing Jim Callis. How does Jim deserve a vacation? What has that guy done all year? Seriously, he's such a slacker. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to fill in for somebody who's just purely lazy as, as Jim Callis is. Who does, who does nothing. Just sit there and do nothing. That's what, that's what you'll do. I feel really bad that that's my first statement on this podcast. <laughs> so. I thought you were going to sit the Jim Callis roast out, actually. Um, <laughs> so kudos to you for feeling comfortable. Yeah. I was that was gone myself, so you, I have no idea what's going on in the world of baseball. So I'm, I'm gonna we're gonna fill you in this week. Rely on yeah, fill me in uh, along with everyone else. Since I've been gone, there have been a flurry of big league debuts by top 100 prospects. We're gonna go through some of those. Kyle Harrison uh, of the Giants, Noel V. Marte of the Reds, joining that uh, rookie brigade. Mason Wynn of the Cardinals, Sedan Rafaela of the Red Sox, and Everson Pereira of the Yankees all making their big league debuts over the past uh, week or so and uh or at least since the last time uh we we've all spoken to you i think uh so with that we're we're gonna talk about the guys who are already up and then we want to turn our attention to who might be next some call-ups that could have an impact down the stretch we're gonna look at some more top prospects whose teams are in contention and might need a little boost from the farm system down the stretch uh, we'll also look at the latest additions to the top 100 prospects list. We've got three of them, and we will answer a question from the mailbag. We've got two of them. All right, guys, fill me in here. Big league debuts by top 100 prospects. I think we, we don't have too many uh, top 100 prospects in the big leagues right now. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And uh, and we're going to cover five of them here, five who have just recently been called up. Where to start here? Sam, why don't we start with one of your guys' dealer's choice? Yeah, dealer's choice. I, I guess we'll start with Sadon Rafaela then, um, just because he was the most recent uh, getting the call on Monday. The Red Sox called him up as a part of a flurry of moves. Um, you know, they need, needed some help in the outfield um, because Willier Abreu went on the paternity list. Some questions of like, well, does that mean Rafael is only up for a brief time? It seems like it, it might be an extended time because of September call-ups and the fact that the rosters are about to expand to 28 anyway. So by the time Abreu comes up, Rafaela can remain as well. Um, we've long known Sedan Rafaela to be a plus-plus defender. Um, you know, he's really, really good in center. He's really, really good at short. His instincts are phenomenal. He knows exactly where the ball is going to be. He can track it down gap to gap. He can make really special catches at the wall, climb the wall. Won't be doing so much of that against the green monster. His vertical isn't that good. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be sensational. Uh, I'm, I'm not projecting that's going to happen, but, um, we know he can track balls down there. He's done really well at shortstop as well. Alex Cora has already said he's only going to be playing center 
or shortstop. Um, you know, obviously versatility is a big thing. He has played third base. He's played some second. He's played the corners previously in his career, but getting some time at those two premium spots is going to be a big thing for Boston. Big thing for him is how is the back going to play? Because it's been really, really good at AAA Worcester. Uh, he slugged above 600 there. The power was playing, but he's as aggressive as ever. The guy swings a lot. He swings at AAA. It was roughly 55% of the time. Um, and he's somebody who really struggles with pitch identification on the inner third. How's that going to work at the major leagues we'll have to see but uh the way things were tracking the way things were going he certainly earned this call and if you're the red sox you don't need him to play every day right now adam duvall's been red hot in center field you have a healthy trevor story at short having Sadon rafaela off the bench is, is a big big boost at a time where you know they're still in the playoff hunt technically uh, a loss Monday against the Astros certainly didn't help their case, but uh, it's an all-hands-on-deck situation in Boston, and, and adding Raphael is a big one. Sam, of all the top 100 prospects in, in baseball, where do you think uh, Raphael's walk percentage ranks? If it's not last, it's in the bottom five at the very least. I know it was, his walk percentage was 5.5%, I think, it was. Wow. Yeah, 5, um, 5.3 on the season, and that is last among all top 100 prospects. Yeah, I mean, the guy just loves to swing. And if it's in the zone, he can hit it. I mean, and he can hit it a long way. Uh, it might just be average power in the end. It's not great exit velocities that he's shown at AAA. But, uh, yeah, he really needs to tamp that down. And that's something even Alex Cora was talking about is, like, the discipline has been trending in the right direction. But I still don't think it's quite there to say he's going to be an average bat just yet. He doesn't need to be. But, yeah, it's, that's going to be the big thing. Pre- prepare for a lot of hacks uh, from Rafael in Boston. All right, Jonathan, uh, we've got a, a hitter and a pitcher for you, Kyle Harrison and Noel B. Marte. Who do you want to tell us about? Uh, you know, I'll start with I'll start with a hitter since uh, we'll go hitter-hitter. Uh, and Harrison's the only pitcher we're going to talk about uh, in this segment. But, uh, you know, Marte, this guy everyone knows, came from the, from the Mariners at the deadline a year ago uh, and was brought up recently when Kevin Newman got hurt. Uh, at the big leagues, before we started recording, we were talking about just the sheer volume of prospects that the the Reds have called upon uh, this year to the point where sometimes it seems like they must be fielding 12 guys at one time. But he made some some very nice adjustments approach wise. Uh, you know, strikeouts were down, walks were up. Uh, he had a really, really good July. Uh, where he had an OPS close to 980. Um, it's been, you know, a little up and down since he's been in the big leagues. I, I don't know once people get healthy because both Kevin Newman and Matt McClain now are on the injured list. So uh, that might mean that he can stick around a little bit longer if Newman's going to come back sooner. Uh, but he's six for his first 29. Um, he's stolen a few bases. He's played a good third base, uh, which has been nice to see him kind of embrace that. Uh, Sam, I don't know if you saw him in the fall league last year, but I remember he did not look happy to be playing third base. Uh, he had not quite given up the, I'm a shortstop idea. Uh, so I know that the Reds were very pleased that he kind of during the off season embraced that idea. And, and this will only help cement it because it helped him get to the big leagues. But, uh, there's plenty of bat speed and power, uh, even if he hasn't shown it yet, it's just a question of whether or not he'll get enough time before guys get healthy to, to show it off in Cincinnati. And he's been uh, extremely consistent since he reached the state, split in the DSL in 2019, then in 
pandemic season did not play. 2021 had an 825 OPS, 2022, 829. This year, AA, 820. AAA, 820. Yeah, and I think there's always this idea that there's he's barely scratching the surface, especially power-wise. I mean, he's, he's only 21. He doesn't turn 22 until uh, mid-October. Uh, he's very strong with a ton of bat speed. I think the combination, there, there's going to be a lot more power to come as, he's, as he figures things out you know, more and more at the upper levels. Sam, back to you. Uh, Mason Wynn, Everson, Pereira. Yeah, let's start with it. Mason Wynn stay, staying on that infield. Uh, Mason Wynn getting the call to the Cardinals. Cardinals don't have a ton to play for anymore. It's call up the kids time, essentially. Um, what the Reds have been doing all season to, to good effect, uh, the Cardinals less successful in that. But, um, you know, bringing up Mason when he's certainly somebody who earned that look uh, in St. Louis. You look at the number of 21-year-olds who have enough AAA at-bats to qualify for the batting average race. There's only two in all of AAA this season. It's Mason Wynn and John Kenzie Noel of the Cleveland Guardians organization. Um, so he was performing well at the AAA level at such a young age. We know the arm is going to play. Um, he of, you know, if people are getting excited about Ellie De La Cruz and the way he's been firing 99 miles an hour, Mason Wynn can do that as well uh, when given the chance. Um, so the defense has been good. The speed has been really, really good at the top level. He hasn't quite translated the hit tool just yet and i know there are a lot of people getting excited about him hitting 18 homers at triple a and he's never really been much of a power guy the ex velos don't quite match up with that he's not somebody who's always hitting the ball hard um, but it's going to come i mean it's it, it, he could be a 15 to 20 homer guy eventually in the major leagues again only 21 so he's still growing into that side of him um, again we've always known the defense has been there he's going to be a guy who can stick at shortstop He's even sprinkled in some second base, but that's just putting an athletic guy up the middle. Um, the arm plays best at short. They're getting him looks there. It's just he needs that exposure to major league pitching, and he needs to be able to adjust to it. And that, that might not happen this year, and that's not a big deal. I mean, he, you just want him getting those reps, getting those looks, preparing for a bigger breakout to come in 2024. Jonathan, uh, Kyle Harrison, the highest-ranked left-handed pitching prospect in baseball, Numbers in the minors this year, not quite as impressive as they were last year, but continuing to rack up the strikeouts and uh, looked very good in his uh, second outing with the Giants. I'm going to uh, quote a tweet from one of my favorite prospect writers, Sam Dykstra. Um, I like that guy. Yeah, me too. Uh, as he Over pointed out, I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kyle Harrison's season high for innings. Entering last night was five. His season high for strikeouts entering the night was nine. And then that, uh, and then last night against the prospect-laden Cincinnati Reds, six innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, 11 strikeouts. Uh, you know, I don't think there's any question about his stuff. Uh, that's a reason why we still have him ranked as high, even though he had struggled with his, his command this year. Uh, and that was been that's been the biggest issue. He's still missing a lot of bats, but he was walking, you know, six and a half per nine uh, in the minor leagues. But uh, so far, you know, his first outing was so-so, and then this outing was extraordinary. Uh, and that's what he's capable of doing. I mean, that's a lot of what he did in 2022 when he put up just video game numbers and in, in the minors across high A and double A. 
if he can be in and around the zone, he's going to have a lot of success at the big league level, uh, as he showed yesterday. And these are these are important games. You know, this is not a team playing out the string, right? They're a half a game out of the wild card, the Giants, as we as we record this. Uh, so that was a huge win. Uh, and he's going to continue to get the ball in important situations. And again, if he if he manages to find the zone, I think he's. I don't know. He's going to strike out eleven over six shutout innings every time, but I think he's going to have success for the rest. Uh, you know, for the rest of, of this season. Yeah, and just to issue a correction on my own tweet, I tweeted that out assuming he was done after six. <laughs> he pitched into the seventh. Nope, I mean, my bad. And, no, no, that, that like I thought he was going to be done because of, of all you were you were talking about of. You know, he had only pitched five innings so far this year. They had kept him, kept, kept him on such a tight leash. And then to hear Gabe Kapler talk later of like, hey, we just thought he earned it. I mean, you know, we want to make sure he's not wasting bullets. We want to keep him fresh. But from a human perspective, you know, we thought he was somebody who earned a look at the seventh inning and we wanted to give him that. And I don't no. think one inning is going to make or break some somebody. But for Kyle Harrison in his second major league start to pitch that deep into a game, I'm sure that meant the world to him. He came off to a standing ovation from San Francisco crowd. I mean, it was really cool to watch that happen last night. Now he's got to carry those results forward, but um, from a mental perspective, he's got to be on cloud nine today. Well, he's got plenty in the tank, right? Like he, he missed time because it was a hamstring injury. It was, had nothing to do with his arm. Uh, right? he, he, he had 113 innings last year uh, total, and he's only at 67 now. Um, uh, well, no, hold on 60, but with a 75 about adding in the big league innings. So there should be enough for him to, to be able to maybe stretch a little bit, especially when he's pitching as effectively as he was. Mm-hmm. And that's a, uh, that's a nice bullet to have, uh, down the stretch for the, yeah. for the Giants. All right. Uh, Sam Everson Pereira, um, guy who is number 79 on the top 100 prospects list um if I'm not mistaken hasn't been did he just come on the the list at the re-rank was he on before i know this is I one of he, was, he was a mid-season ad yeah yeah um and a guy who when you you know look at the tools nothing really jumps out out at you it's 50s and 55s straight across the board um but it's safe to say that he is he's played himself onto the top 100 prospects list and then played himself right into the big leagues this year. Yeah, I mean, I know for weeks, Yankees fans have been calling for, hey, when are we going to give Everson Pereira a look? Because left field has basically been a giant black hole uh, for the Yankees this year and a disappointing year in the Bronx. And Everson Pereira is somebody who can play left field. Um, he can play all three outfield spots, probably trending towards a corner, but um, you know, could could slot in there. And they finally gave him that look. Uh, you look at what he's done this year between double A AA and triple A, 18 homers, 11 stolen bases, slugged above 500 at both spots, didn't really skip a step when he went to triple A. This is still his age 22 season, so just a year older than Mason Wynn, but still certainly young for the triple A level and handled himself well there. Um, he can hit for power if there's good raw power in there. Um, when he got called up, he had a hard hit rate. Uh, that was a rough, that would have been like, I think like just behind Aaron Judge, Jake Bowers, Kyle Higashioka, and Giancarlo Stanton uh, on the Yankees. So those are some heavy hitters. 
Um, it's the raw power is there. It's just he swung and missed a lot with Scranton. Um, and that's something we're already seeing at, at the major league level. He struck out 40 percent of the time so far. He hits the ball on the ground a lot. So while there is raw power, he needs to learn how to lift it if he's going to hit 20 to 25 homers, which is something we think he can do eventually. Um, but again, it, kind of similar to Mason Wynn, it, this isn't a situation where he's being called up to a help the Yankees win ball games immediately. It's more like, all right, let's figure out where you stand in our future. If he can turn things around, and it's been a rough start so far, especially hitting breaking balls. Um, but if he can turn things around, the left field job is there for him to win next spring. And, uh, you know, the Yankees are going to have to face some tough decisions this offseason. Do they go out and get a left fielder? If Everson Pereira can end on a much hotter note, translate that raw power into better production in the majors. He could certainly elbow his way into that position himself. All right. So you mentioned uh, Pereira and Wynn being a couple of these five guys who are kind of on teams that are sort of playing the string out. And then the other three, Harrison, Marte, and Rafael playing in games that matter down the stretch. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at some more guys uh, who could potentially make an impact down the stretch. Top 100 prospects that could get called up. We'll throw them into a few buckets, likely, possibly, probably not. That's coming up next on the MOB Pipeline Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Jason Ratliff here with Jonathan Mayo and Sam Dykstra. We just went through uh, some top 100 prospects who have recently made their big league debuts, and now we're going to look ahead at some more top 100 prospects that we could see in the big leagues down the stretch. Uh, we're going to restrict this to uh, players whose big league clubs uh, could be in it <clears throat> down the stretch, and they could get called up to make an impact. Uh, we're going to categorize them into three uh, buckets, likely, possibly, probably not. Um, these guys will give a very scientific score uh, to go along with those categories. What, what are you guys we taking? Don't. How many decimal points are you taking it down to? I forgot what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part of the conversation. All right. Let, let's, uh, let's go down. <laughs> What's, do you want to go in uh, order of rank, or do you want to go? Well, yeah. I was going to say, do you want to go in order of likelihood? But then, well, let's no, go. let's go in order of rank. All right, let's do it. Here we go. Uh, starting at uh, the top of the list, the highest ranked prospect that you think we could see, or or maybe you're going to give me a probably not here. I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably not for Jordan Lawler. Uh, we're starting with a probably not. All right. Yeah, we're starting with a probably not. That's okay. <laughs> we're, 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 we, we peddle truth here. You want me to jack them up just for, for clicks? <laughs> podcast um, clicks. Podcast clicks. Well, you know, uh, so here is my rationale. I mean, yes, Jordan Lawler is very talented and he's in 
AAA, and he's been hitting well so far in you know his first ten games in Reno. He's having a you know overall a really good year, but uh, and the, and the Diamondbacks are competing. The thing is, like I, I just don't. He's never played anywhere other but other than shortstop ever, and I just don't see him coming up and supplanting you know Geraldo Perdomo at shortstop. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, and I don't know that they would bring him up just for him to what pinch run, uh, you know, if, uh, I do lament and miss the days of the expanded rosters in September when then I would have definitely said likely, I just not sure that they would bring him up when there isn't a spot for him to play. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly in the same way. I mean, Lawler's in that position now that he needs to be playing every day to continue his development. And, um, you know, as as good as the numbers have been and you look at a 917 OPS and you're like, all right, he's transitioned well to Reno. It's still the Pacific Coast League. We're still in an age where AAA offense is up pretty much across the board. Um, so he, he needs more exposure to that level. Uh, I think that late call-up was just about getting him, like, a month plus of at bats at AAA, uh, more so than putting him on the the doorstep of the majors. Um, so, you know, as fun as it would be, I, like you said, I think Perdomo, the fact that he's in the midst of an All Star season, um, isn't somebody who's a clear candidate to be replaced at least right now in the desert. Uh, I, I'll put Lawler in that same, probably not Pilkin. All right, Sam. How about next up on the list, our number twelve prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong. So this one, this might be wishful thinking on my part. I'm going to go likely. Um, Just because Pete Crow Armstrong, he brings energy to every team he's played at so far. He has much more AAA experience uh, than Lawler does. Um, He's had 22 games there, I I guess double. Um, But still, he's somebody who can immediately translate the best parts of his game to the major leagues, which are his – that's his defense, his ability to press – uh, the issue on the base paths as well. Uh, you look at the Cubs right now. I don't think a lot of people necessarily thought they would be in the midst of a wild card hunt uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, maybe the most optimistic in Chicago thought that was possible, but there, there's a clear opportunity for them now. And Pico Armstrong, you know, coming off uh, a really good year last year. He's been a pretty consistent hitter everywhere he's gone. OPS is above 800. He's hitting for decent power. Give him a look. I mean, he brings instant energy, like I said, to every team that he plays on. And if you're a team that could use that down the stretch, you never know what catch he's going to make that could end up being uh, the the season saver. Uh, you never know what he could do, you know, as an eighth or ninth inning replacement in the outfield in a potential wild card game. Um, so for that reason, if the Cubs are really going to go for it, I think they have to turn to PCA at some point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put him down as likely. Yeah, and he he would be a uh, significant. Uh, step up defensively and center field you would you would think from just about anyone all right uh next up on the list is a player that we have seen in the big leagues already could see him again number 14 is the orioles colton Kowser. i'm gonna say possibly uh and you'd think that it would go likely just because he has been up before but i think again it's going to be a a question of need uh there you know when he first came up, they had sent Ryan McKenna down, um, and then they flip flopped again. Uh, so I think some of it's going to depend on 
on on health. You know, if if Aaron Hicks is going to come back and whether he's going to contribute, uh, and whether or not they feel McKenna's a better fit or Cowser or a guy that we're going to get to in a little bit. Um, so like, they have options. The Orioles have plenty of options at a at a bunch of positions. Uh, but uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go likely. I'm I'm gonna go possibly for Cowser. Sam, next up is Twins Brooks Lee. Yeah, and I think the thing that con- complicates matters for Brooks Lee has nothing to do with him. It's Royce Lewis being an all-world performer uh, th- this past week, hitting grand slams in back-to-back games, um, looking like somebody who won't be supplanted at third base. Not that we would doubt Royce Lewis, but look at, look at Brooks Lee. What are his two positions, shortstop and third base? Carlos Correa plays shortstop. I know it hasn't been a banner year for Carlos Correa by his standards, but still, he's the long-term option at short. And Royce Lewis is taking over at third. Uh, and, you know, the fact that, again, Brooks Lee is somebody who needs to be playing every day, you know, as, as nice as it is that the Twins are in the, are basically have the AL Central sewn up, um, and Brooks Lee can hit, I think it's, it's a tougher sell uh, to say that, you know, there's definitely going to be playing time for him there. So for that reason, I think he stays at St. Paul. I'm going to put him down as probably not. I, I agree with that. And I think it's sort of almost like Lawler. Like they bumped him up to AAA so he could get that experience. This is his first full year of pro ball. So I, that makes a lot of sense. All right. And Jonathan, you hinted at this next player when you were talking about Colton Kowser. Heston Kerstad, number 25. Honestly, I'm a little surprised that he hasn't been called up yet. Um, but... Uh, you know, I also know that he missed a whole lot of baseball, and I think the Orioles are making sure that he has, this, you know, sort of wind uh, winded his sails when he does get called up. But uh, you know, he split the year between Double and Triple A. He's got an OPS over 900. Uh, his next homer will be his 20th. And he's just had a very, very good overall year. The guy that we saw mashing in the Arizona Fall League is carried over uh, to to this year. So again, I mean, just I think it's the same conversation as um, as Kowser, and that it's, I think it's going to depend on what they need and want, you know, at the big league level. Do they want another left-handed bat off the bench? I don't know. Um, I think that's less likely, um, but I think I will put him in the same bucket as Kowser and make him a possibly. All right, we've got. Uh... Couple probably nots, a couple possibly's, a likely. Uh, Sam Marco Luciano, Giants uh, baseball's number twenty-seven overall prospect. Another guy we've seen in the big leagues uh, once already. Where do you uh, where do you put him? Yeah, I'm I'm going to put Marco Luciano at uh, likely. Um, he was only up for four games back in July with the Giants, and then they sent him back down. And basically, the instructions were work on second base. Uh, which is not a position that he has a lot of familiarity with. Uh, So back at Sacramento, um, four of his five defensive starts so far have been at second base. So he's getting that work in right now. Rosters are about to expand. There's going to be an open spot for him. That bat can certainly help the Giants down the stretch. And if all they're doing is just like having him get a couple games in at second so he can feel somewhat comfortable there, uh, you know, Tyro Estrada has been pretty good as a second baseman this year. I, I don't think they necessarily need to 
knock him off to make room for Marco Luciano. But um, if you want him off the bench, somebody who can play short, who can play second, who can play a little bit of third as well, uh, that, that's a pretty good option to have uh, for the Giants down the stretch. So I'm going to put him as likely so long as second base continues to work out decently well. And, um, you know, by the time rosters expand, he, he hasn't he isn't striking out a ton. But I think the the route is there uh, for Luciano to get back to the bigs. Well, we're just alternating uh, between Jonathan and Sam here. Uh, in an unfortunate turn of circumstances, uh, Sam is not going to be able to talk about Curtis Mead here as he falls to Jonathan. <laughs> I mean, we could trade, but he can weigh in too. I mean, it's the, the right trades on the podcast. That's yeah, that's is. very exciting. Um, well, and you know, Sam, weigh in here. I mean, the Rays are your, you know, you oversee the the Rays list, and and you know, Curtis Mead has been up. Um, you know, the, the, he seems to be flip-flopping with Vidal Bruhan, uh, at least the, you know, the last couple of times that Bruhan has the ability to play a whole bunch of different places. I, I don't want to rule out Curtis Mead coming back up because I think his offensive potential, albeit without a true defensive home could have, could have value down the stretch. So I'd likely put him as a possibly kind of sort of straddling the fence there. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly where I would put him, too. Um, you know, he, he's only played third base in the majors. Uh, he has some time at second base as well. So he has a little bit of versatility, but it, it's more like versatility on paper than it is in reality. Uh, it's funny. If you put him and Bruhan together, I think that'd he would be have a, That'd infield. be a great player, right? Yeah. Everything Bruhan doesn't do well, which is hit the ball, hit the ball for power. Meade can do, um, but Bruhan's much, much faster. Like you said, can, pl- can play more positions adequately, whereas Curtis Meade, he plays third, he plays second. There are some evaluators who think he's going to be a first baseman long-term or maybe even just a DH below average speed. That's a tougher sell in September. If you're going to have a guy off the bench, you need him to do more than just hit. And that's what Curtis Meade does. He just hits. He hits everywhere. Um, so again, I, I think Bruhan might be a better fit for what the Rays need right now, but you never know. I mean, it, it's good to have a righty off the bench who could easily hit 300 at the major league level right now. Uh, and that's a thing that the Rays could choose to value as well. So uh, we'll put them down for possible right now. Wouldn't be surprised either way. Okay. We've, uh, spoken a few times about how many prospects the Reds have brought up this year. Another NL central team that's, uh, had a lot of rookies playing important roles on their team this year the brewers and jonathan or, or will we see another this is actually sam i i started with Curtis oh yeah that's, that's right i was i was, thro- was thrown off by the fact that we allowed sam to talk about Curtis. me well, we he, can't we can't we can't <laughs> couldn't be stopped him <laughs> couldn't be stopped so tyler black what do you think yeah tyler black uh assuming my regular role in the rotation now um tyler black i mean I really like Tyler Black. There was a while there where he was gobbling up stolen bases at Double A Biloxi. Now they've called him up to Triple A. He's been there for a while. He's doing Tyler Black things, which is walking more than he struck out, getting on base. Uh, the steals have actually been toned down a little bit uh, so far at Triple A, and also at the end of his time in Biloxi, he was getting more time at first base than he was at third base. Now it's back to him playing a lot of third. Uh, the question has always been, where does he fit defensively? He got a lot of time at second base, now field last year uh, when he was healthy. Now they're sticking him at third. I don't think he quite has the arm for that. 
Uh, I think it's, again, this is sticking to the middle of the road. We're going to go with possibly here because he has an approach that does fit the major league level. It's something that will translate pretty quickly and he can provide, uh, you know, some additional value off the bench as a potential pinch runner, somebody who could play both outfield or infield corners, maybe even a pinch. They send him back out to the outfield. Um, the power hasn't really translated to AAA just yet. Um, so there are some questions and, you know, the, the brewer is looking at it right now. I'm not the biggest Andrew Monasterio fan, but like he's holding his own fairly well at third base. So there's not a clear lane for, for Tyler Black. Um, but if he gets real hot real quick and they look, you know, a few games out, or, you know, a few games away from the postseason, having sewn up that NL Central, they might want to give him a look and just say like, hey, listen, just be the guy off the bench who gets on base and then steals bags. That's enough for us. All right. And we're back to the Reds. Could we see, can we see yet another Reds top 100 prospect called up before the end of the season? Jonathan Connor Phillips. You know, I wish he had been pitching a little bit better in AAA uh, for this to be a, uh, likely but he and especially his last couple of outings have been extremely rough um but they need they do need pitching help i mean they have the 28th were their 28th in major league base with their starter era it's 535 for the year <clears throat> yes they got hunter green back but he hasn't exactly been right since since he came back so the stuff will play. I mean, this guy just misses a ton of bats on the regular, even, even with the struggles in, in AAA, and it's mostly been command-wise. He's walked seven and a half, but he's still missing you know, 9.7 per nine, 13.5 for the year after getting bumped up from Chattanooga, where he was much more effective overall and, and threw more strikes. I think if he could get hot now maybe you know they could do that it was interesting he pitched once in relief and he looked really good and so then i thought all right that's more likely so i think just because of the struggles i'm going to put him as a possibly possibly it is for connor phillips uh sam another pitcher and one that we have seen in the big leagues dodgers gavin stone yeah, Gavin Stone actually pitched for the Dodgers over the weekend. Uh, and for that reason, I, I'm going to go as likely. I mean, if they're clearly calling him up already, sending him back down, that he's an arm that they feel like they can trust in, in key moments. Um, he pitched against the Red Sox uh, over the weekend, was sitting around 94, 95 with his fastball, threw his changeup a lot, got whiffs on that one, five whiffs uh, against the Sox. The cutter was pretty effective too. So the stuff seems to be there. Uh, for Gavin Stone to get the call again. It's just, it might take an opening in the Dodgers rotation and it might take some openings elsewhere. I mean, he came in after Caleb Ferguson um, basically served as an opener. Uh, so, you know, he threw 80 pitches. He's going to be a depth option for the Dodgers. He didn't necessarily, necessarily do well enough to be like, okay, he needs to be our number three or number four starter right now. But, you know, everybody needs pitching in September, and they've already shown that they're going to trust Gavin Stone before ra rosters expand. So when that happens again, I expect him to get at least one look, if not two or three, uh, in the remaining weeks of September. Another pitcher, another NL Central team, Ben Brown. I think if Ben Brown were healthy, he'd be up already. Uh, even though 
he'd not been as dominant in in Iowa as he was with Double A Tennessee. I mean, that was you know just four starts. Uh, again, another guy misses a ton of bats. I could have seen the the Cubs shortening him up and putting him in the bullpen for the stretch run. The the question is, will he be back? He's missed almost a month uh, with a like a lat strain, oblique kind of deal. Um, the fact that he hasn't returned yet isn't promising. Uh, so I'm going to say probably not because I think the amount of time it will take for him to kind of ramp back up and then be perceived to be big league ready. I, I just don't think they're going to to rush that and they'll just sort of let him maybe compete for a rotation spot next year. You know, I would change it if we hear something in the next couple of days that he's, you know, returning to action, but there, there's no news to that uh, as of right now. So I will keep him in that probably not bucket. All right. And the last guy we want to talk about, Sam, is uh, the Blue Jays infielder, our number 92 overall prospect in baseball, Orelvis Martinez. Yeah. If you asked me about this a uh, few days ago or last week, I would, would have likely put him in the probably not category. Um, but I think now it's actual possible actually possible uh you look at the news out of toronto recently matt chapman just went on the il uh, with a finger sprain bobachette has right quad tightness he was out monday he's undergoing an mri we're still waiting to hear back about that so the toronto infield has some holes they've called up ernie clement um david schneider has been playing for them recently striking out a lot but has shown some signs of being a rookie phenom in his own right uh, but what happens if Chapman's out for longer or what happens if Bo Bichette's MRI doesn't come out great? Uh, or Elvis Martinez recently got to, to AAA uh, Buffalo at just 21 years old, had really turned things around at New Hampshire. Um, he's always had power, but his approach has really improved this season. There was a time where his walks and strikeouts were getting close to even um, when that had been really been a problem uh, at times in 2022 and in the early parts of 2023. Uh, and that's something that's carried over to AAA Buffalo so far. He's slugging above 500 there again. 16 walks, 35 strikeouts. Not stellar, but still like much better than it was a year ago this time. And the Blue Jays have always been aggressive with Aurel Or- Martinez. And, you know, talking to some Blue Jays folks, they were really pleased with his trajectory over the last few months. That's why they pushed him to AAA. And if there are holes in that infield, I mean, he can fill them. He's played a lot of second base recently. Uh, he's typically been a shortstop or a third baseman. But, you know, again, that's where they have the injuries right now. That's where Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman play. Uh, so he could easily slide over to either spot. Again, he's a better fit at third. Uh, so if Chapman's going to be out longer, maybe he gets a look. Um, but, again, only 32 games at AAA so far. Maybe they hold him back a little bit. Um, just want him to build some success there and sustain it and hold it and go into the offseason uh, with some momentum. But an important part here is he was added to the 40-man last year, too. So there wouldn't have to be a lot of roster machinations to get him up to Toronto. He's definitely one that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And, you know, as we keep an eye on Bichette and Chapman and their health. All right, there you go. Three likelies, three probably nots, and six possibilies. Broke down neatly. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the three newest additions to the Top 100 Prospects list. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline Podcast.
Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jason Ratliff, Jonathan Mayo, Sam Dykstra, and now some new top 100 prospects. The three most recent players to get added to the list are Samuel Zavala, the Padres outfield prospect, Xavier Isaac, Rays first base prospect, and Chase Hampton, Yankees right-handed pitching prospect. So guys, a couple players, the the hitters, a couple guys who have been promoted recently, and then Chase Hampton, a guy who's uh, split the season pretty evenly uh, between high A and double A. Let's start with uh, Samuel Zavala, who Sam was part of uh, a, a massive wave of talent being pushed ahead by the Padres. Yeah, I mean, you look at it was essentially conveyor belting everybody from single A to high A to double A. Um, obviously, Ethan Salas, Robbie Snelling, Dylan Lesko, those guys got a lot of the pub. But I think sneaking in behind is is Zavala moving from single A to high A and what is still his age 18 season. He turned 19 on July 15th. And I think the thing that excites us most and some of the feedback we got for the top 100 was that Zavala is somebody who reaches base. I mean, he has a really mature, advanced approach for somebody his age, for somebody who was only playing single A ball or was already playing single A ball, I should say, uh, at age 18 coming into the year, uh, had a OBP at 420 in 101 games uh, at single A Lake Elsinore and as hitter friendly as the Cal League can be. That doesn't always translate into OBP. That translates more into slugging, which is still coming along for him. Uh, If there are questions about Zavala, uh, it's his ability to stick in center. Uh, I think the Padres are still working with him on adding speed and, and letting that be a part of his game. He's more of an average runner right now, might translate better uh, to right field than center field eventually. And if that's true, then he's going to have to slug better than he is for now. But again, just turn 19. There's there's tons of runway ahead of him. Uh, it's been a rough start so far at high A, but I think this is just about getting his feet wet. And if he can come back next year, post an OBP above 400, as we basically expect him to do, because he's done that everywhere, add a little bit more power. Uh, we could be talking about him eventually as one of the most more exciting outfield prospects in the game. All right. And Xavier Isaac of the rate in the Rays system, uh, first rounder last year, a surprise first rounder was taken 29th overall. Uh, and he inches his way onto the top 100 prospects list. Uh, Sam, another uh, guy from another one of your teams. Yeah. I mean, you look back at the 2022 draft, Isaac might have been the surprise pick of the first round. That's true. Uh, yeah, it, it led to a lot of head scratching from a lot of various parts of the industry, myself included. Like, what did they see in this guy? And then talking to the Rays afterwards, they say, hey, listen, we know we're the high guy on this guy, but we really do believe in him. And it took a little bit of time for him to show that power potential. But he got off to a really rough start in April at single A Charleston. But from May until the time he was promoted to high A, he had 281, had an OBP of 382, slugged 516, had 13 homers, 10 stolen bases, never was caught stealing, which is really interesting. I know they've worked on athleticism with him. I uh, did not expect him to be a du- double-digit steals guy this quickly. I don't think that's going to be part of his game, but just notable all the same. Uh, so it's definitely somebody who was pushing for that. The power is already playing really well uh, so far at two A-ball levels, and I think that's only going to grow. You know, he's just coming out of high school, and the fact that he's gotten better as the season has gone on is not something you always see from high school guys in their first full season. So, Isaac, we're starting to see what the Rays saw. Uh, we thought it might be above average power coming into the year. Now it's clear plus. It might 
even be 65 grade by the time we update things in the offseason, depending on how he ends the year. But uh, he's only going to be a first baseman. That's a tough profile. I get it. But he's certainly off to the start that first base prospects need to be at his age to you know, get his way onto the top 100. And, uh, you know, if he continues to end the year strong, he could be go even higher, given what his power potential is. And at least he's not a right-right first baseman. So that's, that's a big so, thing. So yeah, there's that. Sure. And, and I will say, he's not going to steal bases, but one thing that I had been hearing is that he was much more athletic and agile than people thought he was going to be, which is important because you worry about a guy like that who's cemented to first base that it can become, you know, he could be a clogger on the bases or that, you know, maybe he's a DH only, things like that. And I think that little hint of athleticism and the fact that he's worked on that is a, is a good sign moving forward as he continues to, you know, to mature. He's only 19. All right. And uh, another pick from last year's draft. This guy didn't go until the sixth round when the Yankees booked him. That's Chase Hampton. Yeah, and this is, I think, a case. The reason he's on the list now, I mean, is partially because he's had a very, very good year. Uh, you know, split the year as as you pointed out, Jason, between high A and double A, and he hasn't been quite as good in double A, but he still missed a lot of bats. He's been around the strike zone. Uh, but when we were putting together our midseason top one hundred, his name came up. You know, when we're getting feedback from people, you know. Basically, like, don't sleep on this guy. You know, this guy's pretty good. He might be the best pitching prospect, you know, in the system. You know, all these different things. And uh, we made note of that and uh, kind of tacked him on to this list of guys to, you know, uh, next up. So I'm glad that we were able to get him on uh, based on the feedback we got. And I think there's a little bit that plays into it. The Yankees have a bit of a track record of finding mid-round college guys. Um, who end up being pretty good. Ken Waldachuk, Hayden Wisniewski, Will Warren. Uh, you know, th- these are guys that they got in the middle rounds uh, and helped them become big leaguers. And uh, he has a chance to have four pitches. He needs to work on the slot, on the, uh, on the changeup still. But he, he's got high spin fastball, plays up because of that. He's got two above average breaking balls. You know, so the changeup doesn't even have to be great. It just needs to separate it from the fastball a little bit more. Uh, and if he keeps doing what he's doing, uh, he has a chance to be a starter in the big leagues. You know, I, I don't know, maybe as early as next year. Ranks uh, seventh in all of the minors in strikeouts this year with 145 in just 106 and two-thirds innings. So you, you mentioned uh, missing a lot of bats. Yep. All right, uh, let's wrap up by answering a question. We'll answer two questions. Uh, and they both pertain to Ethan Salas and they both pertain to the hype around Ethan Salas. One question comes from Spencer O'Gara and, and this, is, this is like a power duo of uh, pipeline podcast <laughs> mailbag uh, question submitters, Spencer O'Gara Twin towers yeah, and Stevie D combining here. I wonder if they're in cahoots. Uh, do you worry about Ethan Salas becoming the next Jason Dominguez, which is that even such a bad thing? Uh, <laughs> too hyped early on that he'll seem like a disappointment in 2026 for developing normally. And then Stevie D asks, uh, where would you rank Ethan Salas for most hyped 
teenage baseball prospects that you and your crew have covered. So a uh, couple people wondering about the hype surrounding Ethan Salas on the heels of uh, the 17 year old being bumped up to double a, I, I don't, it's interesting. That you, the funny thing that you meant, you, you said exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I, you know, especially with the way Jason Dominguez has been playing in, in AAA right now. Like, I don't know that it's such a bad thing. I, I don't worry about Ethan Salas becoming the next Jason Dominguez, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one is I think Dominguez was more hyped than Salas as an amateur. And not that Salas wasn't hyped. I mean, he was, you know, he was the top top guy in his class and all that and got a lot of money. I, I but the all the, the the ridiculous comps for Jason Dominguez and everything like that. And the other thing is that I think Ethan Salas in a lot of ways has had a more successful first taste of pro ball compared to Dominguez, even though you, you if you stack up the like the straight numbers, it may not look that way, but uh, you know, he add in the fact that he's, you know, good defensively behind the plate. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. The sort of hype machine leading to prospect fatigue, which is sort of what I think Spencer was, was getting at, uh, you know, by 2026, I, he's going to be in the big leagues. So I, you know, that, I, you know, I don't worry too much about that. Sam, what about you? Yeah, I, th- I think it, as much as it feels like an apples to apples comparison too, I, I do think it's apples to oranges in that you look at when Dominguez signed, he signed in July 2019 and then didn't play in 2020 uh, because of the pandemic. Nobody in the minor leagues was playing in 2020, but it, it allowed that hype to kind of fester. And all we got was like Instagram videos of what he was doing behind the scenes and looking great and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Salas signed in January, was playing in spring training games a few months later, was playing in Lake Elsinore shortly after that. So like every bit of hype that we've gotten off of Salas this quickly in his career comes from on-field performance. It's it's not just what's happening behind closed doors, although that, like you said, that hype was great itself too. Um, so I, I think they're just in different positions. And that's almost no fault of Dominguez. I mean, the, the fact that his first full season – just what should have been his first full season. There happened to be a pandemic that was really unfortunate in many, many ways. Uh, but Salas, you know, where this is coming from is things that everybody can see, not just Padres folks behind the scenes. So I think they're, they're two different stories. All right. So then the second part where we would rank him for most hyped teenage baseball prospects that we have covered. And I wish Jim were here because we could ask him about Ty Cobb. <laughs> I went back as far as I possibly could. Yeah. Do you think he put an 80 on Cy Young's fastball? Was <laughs> he more in the 70s camp? I'm <laughs> he's he's going to hate me after that. I've just been just burned bashed him at both ends of the podcast. All right. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, he's pretty hyped. We have, I mean, I think based on where we have him ranked now, We'd almost have to say he's got to be what, like one or two, like maybe behind Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, some of the others we, we were sort of talking about this before we recorded, and I don't have that that list in front of me at uh, at present. But we had what Mike Trout, we had uh, Kevin Maiton, 
We had Miguel Sano. I went back a, a little ways thinking about international signees who were really hyped when they they signed. Um, yeah, other other guys who who were the number one yeah, prospect in baseball uh, as a teen, uh, Vlad Jr. and Wander Franco were were both uh, teenagers when they were ranked number one. Um, on the draft side of things, you had Buxton. Uh, I mean, Holiday seems like a, a geezer at this point. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he's, uh, you know, number one prospect as right. a teenager. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. I, I guess that's what it comes down to, right? Is Are we just including all teenagers in which Wander Franco's 17, 18, 19-year-old season counts? Or all those seasons count? Or is it just 17-year-olds? Well, he said like, teenaged. I mean, the question yeah, is so teenaged. So, I mean, but I think we, when contemplating that, have to, you know, there's a big difference between 19 and 17. It sounds ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, as the parent of a 22 and a 19-year-old, I can really attest to that in real life. But um, I, I think that, you know, the fact that we have Salas this high at 17, you know, means a lot. Um, you know, the, how old was, how old was Wander Franco when he ascended to number one? I'd have to go back and check, yeah. but he may, he may have been 18 when he first over the hill. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, like without like really, yeah, he was, he was 18. Up, he was I'll 18. Answer, I'll answer this one in the inbox and I'll really, I'll try to, I'll try to rank them and Sam, I'll run, I'll run them by you, but, uh, I might. I might go Harper, Salas, Franco. Yeah, my only, my only thought right now, and, and we can chat about this more, so if, yeah, find, find the inbox later in the week and we'll have yes. an even more hammered out answer for this. I, I would put Franco and Vlad Jr. ahead of Salas just because they had 80-grade hit tools. And as much That's as I fair. like Salas, like, we're not talking about anything 80 quite yet. Um and 80 is as high as we go, obviously. So it, Good point. it doesn't get much more hype than that. Uh, um, true. But I would definitely have Harper above him. Um, and then those two guys. And uh, Mike Trout is just so difficult to view in my head because it's always like trying to separate who he became versus who he was after that yeah, I, season, which was great. Like he was a great prospect, but – you don't want to put that spin on it and be like, and he turned into a generational talent. Right, we right. Know that, that. Well, and just like Harper was like, one, you know, arguably one of the most hyped draft prospects we've ever seen. Um, and that just carried over, right? He brought he brought a lot of that with him. Um, you know, and the international guys like, yes, Ethan Salas w- was hyped, but it wasn't until he showed how precocious he was going to be in his first days of pro ball that we started really cranking him up the list. So the, the hype only grew with his performance, which is kind of what you want. Yeah. And, and one thought I had when I first saw this question and missed the word teenage, I was thinking of Adley Rutschman and how hyped he was obviously coming out of the draft. And that makes me think maybe for a future inbox, you know, Sam D from Brooklyn, New York, uh, we'll submit one of like where does the solace hype fit for catching prospects we've ever had. I like it. Like send that send that in yeah. for net for well wait a little bit because we don't want to answer a, a solace question every single week. Although we could, right? We could, we could. Maybe maybe in November. That's we how hyped he is. Down. 
That's how hyped he is. He deserves an inbox question every week. Or two, in this case. Uh, thanks very much to Spencer and Stevie D for those questions. Great questions, guys. All stars. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.